No matter if points are gained or points are lost, there will be much to discuss. For analysis regarding tonight's Winnipeg Jets game, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mendel. The Illegal Curve post-game show starts now. We'll get to the Jets and the Islanders game, and we'll get to that, and we'll go in depth like we do on each and every edition of the Illegal Curve post-game show. But as you can see, folks, I am in my usual studio here uh, in my basement, and Ezzy is in a very familiar location uh, based on where he frequently does the show. Uh, he frequently does the show at Dave's house, as you are all aware. But what you may also notice is that you know Dave isn't on the show, so we're now at the point in the Illegal Curve family where as he just goes to dave's house on his own without dave being there and does the show from dave's house just curls up on the couch watches the third period and broadcasts from dave's house even without dave being present so uh, i guess with that uh you know established on this evening's post-game show we say good evening universe good evening manitoba and for all those joining us whether you are in winnipeg whether you are online wherever you are in the world even at dave's house without dave is anyone else there as are there other are there other people nobody else is here but i might do the show at spency's house by the way we've got the comment up there for people (laughs) listening on the podcast spency i would love to do the show at your house or maybe in sage creek where we know there's a a nice little hot tub but yes the secret is out. I have a key to Dave's house. Like, I guess I'm Dave's girlfriend. I'm not sure. But the reason why I have the key is because, as you know, Drew, yes. Dave M. Watch, usually watches each Jets home game, the first two periods, and then he comes back here, and then I come over here for the third period, and then we do the postgame show. Right. Unless I'm sick or Dave's not doing the show, then I'll do the show at home. So, no, basically, he's not I have doing the show. You're doing the show at his house right now. Exactly. But the reason why I have the key is in case, you know, I'm there before Dave gets back from downtown. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the main reason is I left all my stuff here. Like I left my laptop, my microphone, webcam, everything like that. It was just it's just easier to leave all my stuff here. I just basically, you know, it's just nice to get out of the house. Like I, I'm basically escaping my children, Drew. You know what that's like. Uh, well, I mean, if your children are awake at five minutes to 10 o'clock, then we have uh, other more legitimate issues we need to discuss. But for the, you know, I do understand. Uh, the, well, you Taves know, broad- is also, maybe we have something else to discuss, Drew, with that comment up there. <laughs> yeah, well, let's, we'll leave that comment for another day in time. Your relationship with Dave is your relationship. You guys can have that and, and, and Special discuss relationship. that on, on I mean, your own. You guys have a very mutually dependent relationship. Yeah. There's no question yeah. about it. Yeah. It might be a little thing. bit toxic at times, but yeah. you know, it's a uh, close relationship for sure. Under no circumstances, for the record, before you can even ask, under no circumstances can you have a key to my house. Just so you're just so you know. I would just like get... to be allowed on the property, Drew. I yeah. mean, last time I was uh I was the electrocuted. Guards. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to get past your moat. I mean, for those <laughs> who don't know, Drew has quite the expansive property it's tens of thousands of acres uh so it's it's really tough to get past drew's moat but uh yeah i I don't expect to ever get your key i don't i actually don't even expect to be invited over to your house drew for that matter then you know you won't be the least bit disappointed in that case and that's probably have lower expectations and everybody's going to be fine with that uh let's talk about this tonight this hockey game tonight the jets and the new york islanders a 4-2 victory for the winnipeg jets so they're uh Brief journey to the losing part of the ledger lasted only for the one game. Back on the winning side of things uh, with tonight's
State's victory on home ice to wrap up the road trip with, uh, pardon me, the homestand with a 3-1 and record, the only blemish being Saturday night's loss to the Philadelphia Flyers. Two goals or less, again, just as you would expect from this team at this point in time. A bit of a weird game from my estimation, as you know, just a, just, you know, you, you got two of the best goalies in the league going head to head. You know, they each made some Sorokin really hasn't nice... been one of the best goalies this year, though. What's that? Sorokin definitely has not been one of the best goalies. I mean, I was looking at the goal save above expected. Right. I don't even think he's in the top 20. Like, I, th- I want to say he's something like 30th or, or 35th. He was very good tonight, Drew. Right. But I'm just just wanted to throw that out there because he was a Vesna finalist last year. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be a Vesna finalist this year. I think, well, first off, Hellebuck and Demko, I mean, you might as well just let them battle it out for the Vesna trophy. But I just wanted to throw that in there. Varlamov yeah. was actually, before he got injured, uh, playing better than Sorokin. Yeah, you know, the, the Islanders really aren't a great hockey team. I mean, with, you know, they've played 44 games now as after tonight's loss. Uh, they've only won 19 of those games. So, again, you know, your bare minimum to be considered uh, what I would describe as an average hockey team is that you have to win at least half your games. Not get points in half your games, but you have to win half your games. I mean, the only reason the Isles uh, are, are even sniffing a playoff spot is because they have 10 overtime and shootout defeats. That's, which is most in the league. Which is most in the league, which is yep. the only thing that's keeping them afloat. So they're not a great hockey team by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, their defense is 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 weak, is, is, is what I would say. I mean, being you know, charitable, I'd say their, their defense is a problem. They don't have a... They're without touch- Ryan Pollock right now who's right. from Manitoba. Ryan Pollock has, right. I think, missed something like, I don't know, 20 games or something like that. He's one of their top defensemen. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a significant injury. I just wanted to throw that in there, Drew. Like, sure. Pollock is, I don't know if he's they, their best defenseman, but he's definitely one of their best defensemen. Yeah, and they, and they just don't necessarily have the depth in order to to withstand that kind of, that kind of uh, loss on the back end. But whatever, regardless of that, you know, it's just, it was a... I just found it to be an odd game, just sort of, you know, starts and stops for each team. I mean, obviously the Jets, you know, and we'll get into everything and all the details in during the get Betway game recap uh, coming up here on the Illegal Curve uh, post game show. But, you know, it, it, the big feeling out period for a lot of the portion of this game, then the Jets in that second period get sort of those two goals. Uh, almost had a third one when the one when the puck ricocheted off the stanchion right in front, and they're not necessarily uh, you know fluky goals, but they are both are a little bit fluky. It involves a broken blade of a skate, and that it involves a, a bank shot. And Connor Hellebuck gives up a, a bad angle goal, which we haven't seen very often. Did Neil Pionk stick get a piece of that? Uh, if it did, I, I'd have to look back and, and, and watch Pionk it again. reaches, right? He's in front yeah. of Hellebuck, right. and he reaches his stick out. But obviously, I mean, it took a... It looked like Hellebuck had the post covered. Yeah. I mean, Hellebuck, you know, like, I don't think anybody is going to be criticizing Hellebuck's form or positioning there. It was a bit it, of a fluky goal. And Anders Lee, look, I mean, we'll get into that goal. I mean, Anders Lee is a great player. He's a former 40-goal scorer. Right. But you're right, Drew. I mean... And, and there were there were some fluky goals. Mm-hmm. There were some missed calls. Yeah. Right? Scott Mayfield high sticks Vlad Nemestikov in a, in a scary situation. It looked like Nemestikov yeah. might have to leave the game, and he didn't. Right. And then you could kind of see he was a little bit woozy the yeah. next couple of shifts. But, yeah, there were some missed calls, uh, some fluky goals. 
But like I said this, I tweeted this out this afternoon. The Islanders entering the game had lost three of their last four. Right. And you mentioned their... Uh, they got you know, embarrassed uh, last night. Right. And Lane Lambert came out and he said, you know, you know, enough excuses. And, you know, I, I think the Islanders responded very impressively in the third period. The yeah. Islanders were all over the Jets in the third period. The only problem is they were down two goals at that point, so they were chasing the game, right? So they yeah. get the early goal in the third period, but, um, yeah, I mean, look, Matt Barzell is, you know, a top 20, maybe even top 10 skilled forward in the NHL. Bo Horvat, I thought, was really good. I actually thought Hudson Fashing. He was uh, noticeable in that was, third was period really particularly. Yeah, yeah, and and so, like, the Islanders, there's, there's a big drop-off after – you know, Horvat, Barzell, Lee, and, and Brock Nelson, right? But the, you're right, though, Drew. Scoring goals has not been the problem. The Islanders have been averaging three goals a game this year. Right. And their, their power play is actually decent. And it's their penalty their team, kill is horrible. Defense <laughs> and, their, and their penalty kill, no, the, which, has been pen, the, yeah. which has been the staple of the Islanders going back to the Jack Capuano years, right? Like, that, that has been the identity of, of the Islanders for, for many years. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean... Look, they're fighting with you know teams like the Devils and the Lightning. Um, I guess if you want to throw in the Flyers, even though the Flyers have pulled away a little bit, they're third in the Metro. But yeah, this Islanders team, I, I think you know that was a tough. That's why they were they were battling so hard. And as I mentioned, that's why I expected them to be desperate. The only problem is they took their foot off the gas, and the Jets were all over them in the second period, and they were taking uh, penalties that they didn't need to. Like the penalty Mike Riley took on Dominic Toninato behind the net. I think it was cross-checking. I thought it, it was cross-checking. Could have been boarding. Yeah, yeah but I, like that penalty was uh, shortly after, I believe, Neil Pionk scored the goal to go up 2-1, right? Uh, yes, it was. It's exactly right. So You can't Pionk... take that penalty. When you're down no. a goal and you're desperate and you've lost three of your last four games, now four of their last five games, yeah. you just can't take that type of penalty. So I just thought the Islanders were undisciplined. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the second period, I mean, the Jets did most of their damage, but give the Jets credit for hanging on. They drew a penalty late. Mm-hmm. Um, again, <laughs> like speaking of, you know, the Islanders taking a lot of penalties. And then Kyle Connor obviously gets the, the empty net goal to, to make sure that the Islanders don't come back. So, I mean, it was a very close game. Like, yes, the Islanders were the better team in the third. The Jets were the better team in the second. I'd kind of say the first was a wash. Yeah. Maybe you give a little bit of an, an edge to the Jets. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. On the I thought it was pretty even. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, it was a hard-fought game. And as you mentioned, I mean, the, the game against the Hawks, they got the two points. It was ugly. And it yeah. looked like the Hawks might steal that one. But overall, at the end of the day, you won three of four at home. Mm-hmm. You don't play till Saturday. And you're first overall in the league. So, again, I mean. And and based on the the comments that you're hearing is that, the Jets are, are are hopeful. I mean, it sounds like even maybe confident. I don't want to put words in their mouth that Mark Shifley might rejoin the team for practice on Friday and could be eligible to play on Saturday, which, oh, lo and behold, means that you're basically at full strength with your forward group for the first time since, what, game three of the, of the season when Gabe Velarde went down with his injury. Because you're going to have, you got Kyle Connor back tonight, and Kyle Connor obviously scores uh, the empty net goal. Uh, and, and really, you know, I thought, you know, he may not, maybe wasn't, you know, exactly what Kyle Connor is, but he was a pretty good, uh, you know, a pretty reasonable fac- facsimile of Kyle Connor. You know, and so all of a sudden the Jets are, you know, still atop the NHL and are getting pretty much fully healthy 
uh, you know, more or less uh, with the, on their team, which is a pretty scary proposition for everybody else in the NHL. I mean, that's just where that's really where they're at. If the Jets can get Shifley back, uh, you know, on on Saturday, or if it's not Saturday, if it's Monday against Boston, well, you know, you got really four games to go now before you have the the break, before you get your bye week and the All Star break, and which would be a time for the Jets to even further heal up. They're probably in a pretty good position right now. I'd say they're probably feeling pretty good about themselves, especially getting the win tonight in what was a bit of a grinder. wasn't really the prettiest game. wasn't the most. didn't have the greatest. Well, the Islanders flow. aren't a pretty team. That's the no, thing. Like, not. like Matt Barzell is a, is a pretty player to watch. Right. Uh, we talked about him. He's very elusive. He's he's one of the best playmakers in the game. And and I'm not saying that you know being sarcastic or I, I think overstating it. I mean, you know, a few years ago, what did he have, 90 points or something like that? Something. I mean, the Islanders are, look, I I think the Islanders are your kind of quintessential, as you said, middling team, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like, could the Islanders, if they squeak into the playoffs in a wild card spot, could they upset somebody in the first round? Of course they could. The Panthers did it last year to the Bruins. It, It could happen in the Western Conference as well, right? Somebody could upset the Jets in the first round or upset, look, Seattle upset Colorado in the first round last year, right? It yeah. happens every year. We Last year, everybody was saying, okay, it's not going to happen to Boston. This Boston team is too good. There's no way it's going to happen. And we're probably going to say it again, uh, you know, when April rolls around and, and we're talking about the first round, but right. But yeah, you're right, Drew. This was, this was a grinder. That's a good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I love the fact, you know, I loved Dom Toninato between Nino Niederreiter and Alex Iafalo. Like, look, I, I, I thought he had a very good game uh, f- uh, for the Jets. Now, you know who I thought really, you know, had a had a nice game as well as Rasmus Kupari. Yeah, I thought Rasmus Kupari much better than the game against Philly. Much better than yeah. the game against Philly, which is a you know getting that game in, in, against Philly. That's a tough situation to step into. Right. You know, given that played you, a lot of hockey, you haven't played a lot of hockey, you played yeah. that one game for the Moose, you travel from Laval, you're being th- sort of thrust into a prominent position in that, you know, Shifley's out of the lineup and, and everything else. I thought today he used his speed and his size, uh, you know, pretty well uh, in tonight's contest. And if you see, if that's the Rasmus Kupari, you're going to see uh, more often than not, then there's certainly... Uh, a role for him on this Winnipeg Jets team. And, you know, our buddy Mike McIntyre wrote about it in the uh, in the free press. I don't know if that was today's free press. Or the broadsheets. Uh, the, the, you know, the days blend together. But he, he talked about how the Jets, uh, you know, put an emphasis on ensuring that Kupari was part of that trade. We know how fast he is. The hands, you know, you're not sure, you know, how great those hands are yet, but you know how fast he is and you know how big he is. So when that truck gets moving, then that's a pretty uh that's a pretty dangerous thing for a defense to try and have to stop. So Drew, is Mike's next article going to be how Chevy wanted the second round pick included in the trade or <laughs> No, but I mean I, I mean like look at I've I've said this before and I was kind of half joking but not really joking. I think you could argue that Velarde for Dubois straight up, the Jets oh, right, win that trade. Right? right now, yeah. And then you throw in Alex Iafalo, you throw in Rasmus Kupari. It's almost like the Evander Kane dr- trade drew from whatever that was, 2014 or, or 2015. I forget which year it was. It was about 10 years ago. I know that. Yeah. Right? And then you kind of, you do all the math and then, you know, it just, it looks very one-sided, right? And I think people across the NHL are talking about how one-sided that trade's look. And obviously, you can't determine a winner of a trade after one year. But I wouldn't be surprised if a year or two from now, we're still saying the Jets won that trade because of how well Gabe Velarde has worked out. And 
and Rasmus Kupari, you forget, you not you, but some people might. He's under contract for one more year. Sure. Right. So like, it's not like Kupari is. You know, it's not like the one Jets just have him for he's one a young more year. Player still. He's a good player, yeah, and a first-round well, pick. Been... We've talked about that before, right? So yeah. uh, I did think Kupari was really good. I made a note here, Drew. I forgot if it was in the first or second, but Kupari stole the puck from Adam Pellick, a big, solid yeah. defenseman for the New York Islanders, um, and then it resulted in a Morgan Barron scoring chance. So that, I made was a note of that. that was early in the first period. That was early in the first period. I made the I same note. Pellick was trying to make a pass to uh, mm-hmm. an Islanders breaking out a rough zone. game. I forgot who the Islanders forward was, but Pella coughed the puck up. Kupari just made a nice anticipatory pass, if right. that's a word. Um, it but is yeah, word. you're right. You're absolutely right, Drew. But Kupari should be centering that fourth line. But again, I want to give credit to Dom Toninato for stepping up and centering that third line. This is a guy who's played mm-hmm. the majority of the season with the Moose, or he's been a healthy scratch with the Jets, kind of that 13th forward. So Dom Toninato deserves a lot of credit, I think, for not only how he's played on the fourth line, but how he stepped up into into the third third C role tonight. And I know a lot of people didn't like the fact that Ehlers was moved down to the second line, but I mean, Lowry, Connor, and and uh, Lowry and and Connor. I mean, they looked uh, fantastic. I forgot who was on the Velardi. Velardi. Lowry, Connor, and Velardi. Lowry, Connor, Velardi. I mean, yeah. they looked pretty good tonight. So I think when Shifley comes back, yeah, there's a chance it's it's going to be Connor, Shifley, Velardi. Um, Look, he, I think Ehlers and Perfetti and Nemesnikov, they weren't getting enough five-on-five time. Like mm-hmm. I, like Garrett, our buddy Garrett Hole, uh, who writes the five-hole, like he was talking about that. I, I I agree with that. Like, yeah, I don't think you saw enough out of Nick Ehlers tonight. I mean, obviously he was generating speed, he was generating scoring chances, but he, he, the third line I think was playing maybe a little bit more than you would like at even strength. Well, I, I think you need to find a way, and I know you know, and then this is just I you know. We, we've seen Rick Bonus do this for a number of years now, for a couple of years. He needs to find a way to give uh, Lowry, or pardon me, to give Ehlers and Perfetti more five-on-five time. It's just that simple. They've, they, they've earned it. They deserve it. Uh, their play you know, demands it. You just need to yep. find a way to give them more five-on-five time because that's just how good they've been. And when they're on the ice the puck is in the opposition zone. I mean, it, you know, it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Good things happen when Ehlers and Perfetti are are, are at five on five. And so whatever perception and Nemestikov, Nemestikov, we talked about, too, sure. you know, the, the penalty that should have been called, but then he drew another penalty. Yeah. He was all uh, over the place tonight. He, yeah, he took, a, he, he took a penalty and he drew two penalties. Uh, you know, so Hudson Fashion took a penalty. Yeah, it, it, it was a notable game. In the second game. period. Yeah. It was a notable game for Vlad Nemesnikov. He was all over the, uh, the, the not the score sheet necessarily, but all over the play. Uh, you heard his name a lot, uh, you know, in the course of tonight's game. But I agree with you. You need to find a way to give more ice time to Ehlers and more ice time to Perfetti, especially if they're going to be on the same line. If those guys are playing together, you have to find a way to get them more minutes at five on five because they are, especially if they're playing against uh, oppositions, you know, second or third pairing or, or, you know, they're playing against the third or fourth line of some opposition. That's an advantage to the Jets. So you better run that advantage and take advantage of that advantage by giving them more ice time. Yeah, and Drew, but, I had no, I have no problem. I like, I have time to listen to, you know, Connor and Perfetti being on the top line, and then Ehlers goes up. Ehlers goes up with Chifley and Velarde. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I have time for that. Um, I don't think it has to be Connor. I mean, 
Shifley, Connor, and Velarde played really well together in those two games before Velarde got injured. But I don't think it has to be that because guess what? Shifley, Velarde, and Ehlers also played damn well together when they were together. When uh, when Shifley, uh, Velarde, Ehlers, in terms of expected goals at five on five, is the best line that the Jets have put out there. I mean, right. the, the numbers, you know, will back that up, right? Yeah. So, I mean, when when the numbers tell you that, you know, it then becomes, you know, why is Rick Bonus deciding to put Shifley and Connor? We all know, we all know that Shifley and Connor have played a lot together over the years. I mean, I think most Jets fans uh, don't need to be told that, right? Yeah. But we'll see what happens. I mean, the reality is usually coaches like to stick with the winning formula, right? And as you mentioned, if Shifley comes back on Saturday, it'll be the first time that the Jets have, uh, you know, all four, or, well, relatively all their forwards. I guess David Gustafson. Well, but David Gustafson, I mean, was a scratch to start the season. So, I mean, you're right. you're you're I'm right. Just saying, I mean, he is still injured. Yes, but but I mean, we're talking about more so the you know, let's say the top nine, if you will, because the fourth line has basically changed all year long, right? Right. And so I don't even, you know, what I I got to say this. Again, I like the Gus bus, but how do you take Dominic Toninato out of this lineup right now? I don't think you can. I mean, look, Axel Janssen Fialbi didn't do anything in my mind to play his way out of the lineup either. It was just a numbers game. I mean, he was a healthy scratch for the Jets tonight. Uh, you know, he might be a little bit under the weather, I suppose. They could have taken Ras- Rasmus Kupari out based on how he played against Philly, but you're right, Drew. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's between Dominic Toninato and Axel Janssen Fialbi, I mean, obviously Toninato wins faceoffs and he centered the third line. Axel Janssen right. Fialbi can't do that. Right. And you're right. It could it could have just been, you know, between Toninato, Janssen Fialbi and, and Kupari. But the reality is, I, I think there's even an argument to be made that you keep Janssen Fialbi on the fourth line over over David Gustafson. I mean, there's a lot of interchangeable parts on, on the fourth line. And obviously, you know, like I realize a lot of Jets fans, you know, were clamoring for maybe Mason Appleton get to get bumped down to the fourth line and obviously scoring one goal. isn't going to change that but I think if you're looking at you know what the Jets might do you know in the six weeks or seven weeks leading up to the trade deadline I wouldn't be surprised if you know you see a center acquired and then maybe or a winger acquired I should say and that bumps Appleton down look right now assuming Shifley is back on, on on Saturday all of a sudden your fourth line has very likely might have a guy like Morgan Barron on it and Alex Ayafalo. So, I mean, if those right. guys are on your fourth line, whomever the center is, and if the center is Kupari, if the senator, if the center is Tony Nato, you know, you know, and that obviously will play itself out. But that as a fourth line for the Jets, uh, you know, is, is a pretty impressive fourth line, and that every other team in the NHL is not going to enjoy going up against Barron and Ayafalo in particular on the fourth line. And, uh, and I just wanted to forward. say one more thing, Drew, before we get into the Betway game recap. Yeah, you know, if Shifley is good to go on Saturday, which we think there's a good chance he'll play against Ottawa, right? I mean, it is going to be between Dominic Toninato, I believe, and Rasmus Kupari. Yeah, Morgan Barron's so. not coming out of the lineup. I mean, he's just not. I I, I wouldn't see any ra- reason to take. So it's it's yeah. Rasmus Kupari or it's Dominic Toninato. And to be honest with you, and and again, a few minutes ago I was praising Toninato. Right? I think he mm-hmm. has done an admirable job on the fourth line and the third line. Right. You know, but it could be Toninato because Rasmus Kupari played so well. Do you really want to put him in for two games? Then he has a really good game, and then you take him out. 
So regardless, it, when Shifley comes back, a really good player is going to come out of the lineup, which again, these are great problems for Rick Bonus and Scott Arneal to have, right? But it's yeah. pretty crazy when for the last three or four years, all we've talked about was how the fourth line has been this mishmash with all due respect to guys like, you know, Trevor Lewis, Nate Thompson, yeah. uh, Saku Manalainen. I mean, <laughs> give Chevy credit. He has constructed a very, very deep forward group. And it starts with the guys he acquired in the Dubois trade. No question about it. You're absolutely right. And, of course, we will have more on that on Saturday morning's Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Uh, that'll be 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. And then the matinee contest between the Jets and the Senators, uh, not in Ottawa proper, but in Canada, Ontario, just outside of Ottawa. So it's a busy well, you Saturday. You try to get uh, a good piece of rye bread, right, Drew? You can't get a good rye bread in Ottawa. It was my chief complaint from when I lived there is that you couldn't get a good city rye bread. City Somebody wasn't rye sending bread. you that city rye bread. You can send no, that my, express. Yeah, they, my parents could have, but they decided to uh, save it for their other son. Oh, wait, they decided to I'm change the locks child. from the doors at home. That's right. They got rid of my room. They they, they immediately, so I couldn't come back. Uh, that's a separate issue altogether. But anyways, I the I see hockey show Saturday morning, 9 a.m., and then post-game after the Jets and the Senators Saturday afternoon. You know well, we have last tonight's... in the Eastern Conference right now? Uh, well, they got embarrassed tonight as well in, uh, in, in uh, Colorado. Uh, 7-4, they lost. Sorry, it was in Ottawa. They gave up, I believe, five unanswered goals to lose 7-4. Things are not good. Uh, in Ottawa, not good by a long. The answer time. to that question is Ottawa, by the way. Yes, thank you. Uh, let's <laughs> get into let's get into tonight's Betway game Crazy. recap, talking about the Jets' four-two victory over the New York Islanders. The Betway game recap. Big thanks to our friends at Betway, the most trusted voice in sports betting, both in Canada and all around the world. As you all know, Betway is the sports betting app that puts you, the customer, at the forefront. With a large selection of betting options and sports, as well as strong promotions and fair odds, what are you waiting for? Head on over to Betway and bet your way. Must be 19 years or older to play. You know what you have to do? You have to please play responsibly. Big thanks to our friends at Betway. Drew, I want to know who put money on Kyle Connor scoring a goal in his first game back because I think, you know, that might have paid a nice little sum of money. Okay, thank you for that uh, betting insight. This is, stay tuned for more betting insight from Mr. Ginsburg. Uh, you can, you open... can bet on one guy scoring, right? Yes, you can. Of course, you can. It's uh, you, you're, you know, for for Kyle Connor in his first game back, he probably would have paid. I'm going to guess uh, plus one thirty, maybe. Okay. Which means if you had bet a dollar, you would have won a dollar thirty. But I'm just spitballing on that one. I don't know exactly. When I place his... bets with Betway, that's that's the old, I just bet in increments of one dollar. That's, that's what I do. Yeah, it's okay. They'll take your money nonetheless. They're willing to let you play in the game for that amount. Uh, the Jets open the scoring at the 9:41 mark of the first period. Gabe Velarde getting his 11th of the year assist to Adam Lowry and Josh Morrissey. Uh, it's a clean zone entry by the Jets. I mean, it's amazing how many goals in the NHL start with a clean zone entry, but this is another one of them. 
I could uh, listen to you say clean zone entry every day of the week, Drew. Well, thank you. And I know I'm that the chat to loves that. it too. Okay. Well, I believe it was Kyle Connor who drops it uh, to Josh Morrissey. Connor's on the half wall. He feeds it back to Morrissey. And then there's a two layer screen in front of Ilya Sorokin. And those layers are Lowry and Velarde, which means those are two very big layers. Yep. And it is Velarde uh, causing the traffic in front. And the puck is in off of him, giving the Jets the one nothing lead just before the 10 minute mark of the first period as yeah and you know what stands out you know we were just talking about connor's empty net goal but you know connor doesn't get an assist because it's a double tip right right uh but uh he does a nice cutback and i believe it was scott mayfield if i'm not mistaken who is chasing him and then bo horvat kind of comes over to to help but then connor dishes the puck obviously to to morrissey mm-hmm. um and then obviously, you know, it results on a on a shot on net and, uh, you know, Lowry gets a piece of it. And then uh, Velarde, I think it goes off of his leg. Um, yeah. But, you know, at first, what I thought happened was Velarde tipped it, Sorokin made the save, and then he had to poke it again to actually put it in the net. But on the replay, you could see Lowry got a piece of it and then it either went off of Velarde's stick or glove or something. But like you said, that's, you know, a couple of big men there. Lowry's 6'5", what's Velarde, 6'2", 6'3". Those are big boys. And and honestly, that's what you want to see more of from the Jets. And, you know, we often talk about, you know, with the with the Winnipeg Jets, we talk about how, you know, balanced the scoring is and, you know, how many good scoring lines they have and everything like that. But I think they've gotten away from that a little bit because going into this game, they had scored two goals or less in three of their previous six games, right? We talked about, obviously, the shutout against Philly. They only scored two against Chicago. They mm-hmm. only scored two against Anaheim, right? Obviously, they exploded for five goals against Columbus and, what was it, six against Arizona. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just, like a, again, a nice cutback by Kyle Connor. I don't know what else to say, Drew. And then, you know, yeah. Morrissey, we know how good he is at wristing those shots on net. And then, like you Getting said, it it's all about layers there. And what I made a note of is Sorokin is actually, he's going from left to right. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was interesting was Velarde was kind of backing up. So he's going the opposite way. And I think that's why Sorokin only got a piece of it. And I'm not a goalie expert, but, you know, I'll pretend to be. There you go. That's all we ask you to do is to pretend on this show. So one nothing for the Jets at that point in time. And that's exactly what you, you know, for a team that had been shut out on Saturday night, and to your point, hasn't necessarily had goals come by uh, overwhelmingly easy in the last few games. Uh, it's important for the Jets to get on the board, uh, you know, within that first 10 minutes of the contest so the, as to not feel as though they're getting snake bitten or that they're, they begin to squeeze the sticks a little bit too tight or anything along those lines. Uh, to the New York islanders credit they do tie the game it's six minutes and eight or six minutes and 12 seconds later it's not a power play goal because two seconds earlier the tripping penalty to dylan demello does expire but it is uh demello's not really back into the play just yet it's a beautiful tip by anders lee who redirects the point shot by uh from mike riley sebastian aho the other sebastian aho getting a secondary assist on this one beautiful tip by anders lee he's a really smart really nice hockey player and we know how well he succeeds 
seeds uh, against the Winnipeg Jets. I, I, you know, our buddy Dan Robertson on the broadcast, what did he say? Something like 16 goals against the Jets in 19 career games. I might be a little bit off on the number, but whatever it is, it's an impressive total uh, for us, uh, for Anders Lee, and he ties it up at one at this point. And another noted Jets killer in this game, J.G. Pajot. He scored a lot of goals against the Jets going back to his Ottawa Senators days, speaking of the Sens, right, Drew? Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the it doesn't count as a power play goal, but for all intents and purposes, it is because, uh, you know, DeMello's not in the play. And mm-hmm. the goal is scored literally as he's stepping back onto the ice, right? Like, he didn't even have time to get close to back into the play, right? So, yeah, look, the, the, the Islanders, we talked about it, their power play is actually, you know, very good for a team that's, you know, hasn't been very good lately. Right. Um, so, yeah, just a nice point shot by Mike Riley. And then Anders Lee has been doing this uh, for many, many years. We talked about it. He's a former 40-goal guy, right? So, Captain yeah, I mean, the Islanders. And, I mean, and, and, and I yeah. thought, the, the you know, a lot of times we talk about, you know, does the eye test match the analytics? And for me, like... This should have been a tie game after one, right? Like, yeah, it seemed like, you know, the Jets and, and Islanders were trading chances and, you know, they capitalized on their power play, even though it's not a power play. So I guess that what I said doesn't make sense. But yes, Anders Lee came to play and I thought there was desperation on that power play. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, off the top of the show, I just didn't see that desperation in the second period. And that's a credit to way the Jets played, obviously led by the top line of Lowry, Velarde, and Connor. Um, and they got some luck. Let's be honest. We're going to get into that goal. Um, yeah. But, I mean, how many times are we going to say luck as we talk about the Neil Pionk goal, Drew? Well, it certainly was a lucky goal. I mean, the Islanders begin to run themselves into uh, penalty trouble. They take three minor penalties in that second period. And then the Jets are able to capitalize. Neil Pionk, it's a power play goal coming at the 15-19 mark of period number two. Uh, Neil Pionk getting his fourth of the season assist to Cole Perfetti and Nate Schmidt and Perfetti really deserves two assists on this one not just one it's his initial shot that just blows the skate blade right out of Ilya Sorokin's skate and it wasn't that hard of a shot either that's what was weird about it to me you hit it on the right spot and the blade just goes flying, I guess. I mean, if it's a, if it's just a, you know, like a, a release on the, on the, on the boot of the blade, right. if you hit that release and the, the yep. blade's going to go flying and that's what happens here. And, you know, obviously Sorokin is just struggling now to get back into the play because he can't move side to side. He's got, you know, he, he's a one, he's a one legged goaltender in this instance, more or less. I believe it's the Mesnikov who recovers the puck from behind the net as it's the Jets' second power play unit. The Jets move it around very well, and then they tee up Neil Pionk, who's got a wide-open net to, to shoot for because Sorokin is basically stuck at the at his right, the right side of the crease. He can't physically go cross-crease because the blade is not in his skate, and Neil Pionk makes no mistake and offers no apologies for <laughs> giving the Jets a 2-1 lead, as he. Yeah, and and I made you know we're both taking notes now. We're seeing whose notes are better. I I don't know if I can compete with your notes. Yeah, well yours. Yeah, well I've got mine here, Drew. But I go on the note app. Well, you, you go old school, and you've got a I'm nice pen. School. Do you do you write in cursive? 
Uh, it's sort of a hybrid, I would say, between cursive and printing. Okay. Um, you know, so a very unique Mendelian style. They're not teaching it in schools just yet, right? Because it's so revolutionary. But uh, soon, soon, I'm sure that they will. Uh, you know, at least generations from now, when they unearth my uh, all of my artifacts, then they will begin to teach the wisdom of the Mendel to uh, younger generations and and future members of our society. And there's not going to be any chicken wings included in that when they when they unlock that time capsule, right? Neither boned nor boneless, as we yeah. discovered. Yeah, I tried to get you on the boneless bandwagon, Drew, but no, I mean, I mean, Make you 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 nailed it there, right? And and yeah. I, and the thing is, I made a note, and what I was referencing here was that we talked about the Jets' first power play, and there was the missed call on Scott Mayfield, right? High sticking Nemesnikov, but then on this power play, high sticking, like close lining him with the stick, yeah, whatever you was, want to call it. it. It was a kind of a, again, a bit of a weird game. And then prior to this, this penalty, Mayfield trips Nemesnikov, right? Yeah. And it leads to a jet goal. So it was almost like, you know, karma at play, if you believe in that type of stuff, which I do. Uh, obviously, hockey, you know, there's usually some karma and there's some makeup calls and everything like that, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, just really un unfortunate for Ilya Sorokin here. The Jets have a lot of good pressure, and you're absolutely right, Drew. Like Cole Perfetti, I realize that you know he's on the second power play unit, but I have time for Perfetti on the on the top unit. The way he is able to player. slow things down, and the way like I love him, you know, on the point, but he's also a guy that if you need him to, you know, he can switch. And then he can kind of be net net beside the net in that kind of position. Not not necessarily net front, but he's a guy that can kind of be, you know, beside the net, kind of working things from behind, right? So I, I love what Perfetti did here, but I thought it was, you know, very funny that Neil Pionk, when he was interviewed by Kevin Sawyer during the second intermission, you know, he said that the guys were giving it to him on the bench because they noticed that. I mean, they could yeah, see that Sorokin was struggling, he... right? That's I don't right. necessarily know if every player knew that it was the skate blade. But I, they knew that he wasn't, you know, he Moving. wasn't feeling it. So good on Pionk for, you know, just burying that puck in the net. Because I yeah. think when people were watching this live, people were wondering. I mean, I obviously didn't know. I don't know if you did, Drew. But most people, I don't think, realized that Sorokin's skate blade was off. Well, when Sorokin was just was sort of still, you know, down on the ice and it wasn't able to move, I was wondering if there was going to be an interference, if, if it was something to do with that, if there was a player, you know, uh, hindering his ability, hindering his mobility. But then you saw and a great camera work and kudos to the, the crew at TSN for showing it and, and identifying it so quickly uh, The you saw the blade go flying and you're like, OK, well, it's a blade issue. And, you know, that's, you know, if you, if you want these quick trigger release blades, this is what sometimes happens. I mean, and that's just, you know, uh, I guess a a fluke, but a risk that, that you run by using those. And Pionk, when he was talking to Kevin Sawyer during the intermission, as to your point, as he, he said that he knew that uh, that Sorokin was without the blade. And, you know, he saw it go flying off the initial Perfetti shot. So the Jets were aware that they had uh, both a man advantage and an equipment advantage in this instance. So and it's unfortunate for Sorokin. We talked about it. He's not having the same type of year he was having last year he's not going to be a Vesna candidate this year yeah. and he was pulled last night we yes. talked about it he was pulled after the second period and then former moose goalie Ken Appleby came in for the third period because we talked about it Varlamov's injured right now right. right so it's just a lot of things are going wrong for the Islanders this year and and quite frankly you know they're they're just not they're a top heavy team we talked yeah, about I mean, it they just don't have you know the forward depth once you go down you know uh, to the third and fourth lines especially compared to a team like the Jets, 
they just don't have a lot of depth. And, you know, when you have an injury to, to a guy like Ryan Pollock yeah. of, um, I think he's from Grandview, Manitoba. I should know that. Um, you know, he's, he logs big minutes. Like Pollock is a guy that plays 22, 23, 24 minutes. So again, I think, you know, guys like Mike Riley, Sebastian Ajo, I mean, these guys have, you know, filled in admirably, but um, they're just, you know, they're, they're a bit of a disorganized team. I thought they gave up a lot in the neutral zone to the Jets. Um, what did the Jets have? 45 shots, 44 shots. I mean, the Islanders definitely were putting the puck on Hellebuck as well. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just not that stingy Islanders team that we've been used to over the years. No, they're they're long in the tooth. This is not a young team by any stretch of the imagination either. I mean, Mark, Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck, these are guys who's, uh, you know, even J.G. Pajot, these are guys whose best days are behind them, and they're still, uh, you know, trying to trudge along there with the Islanders. I just remembered the other guy that's out right now, Casey Sezikis. That's and right. and that's, not an in, that's not an insignificant uh, piece either. He's a guy that plays on the fourth line. So without Sezikis and Pollock, I mean, those are just two veteran players that, you know, the Islanders are, are without right now. So they're in tough right now to, yeah. to make the playoffs. It's going to be, you know, uh, it's going to go, I, I think it's going to go right down to the wire. Like I, I obviously hope that my devils get into the playoffs this year, but the East is very close um, kind of around that middle part. Well, from Detroit and, and Tampa Bay hold down the wild card spots in the Eastern Conference. And then right behind them, there's three teams, the Penguins, the Caps, the Islanders at 48 points, then the Devils at 47 points. So, yes, a significant log jam uh, right in that uh, in that wild card battle in the Eastern Conference. And the Jets, of course, in the midst of a huge stretch against Eastern Conference teams, a bizarre portion of the schedule that what is it? Eight there eight straight games the Jets have against. Okay, uh, let me put East- you on the spot right now, Drew. Now that the Jets have played the Islanders. Yeah, I was uh, having a little fun at lunch because okay. Nate Schmidt referenced this in his uh, media availability. I don't know if that was today or yesterday when he he called Sandberg a carny. Which that I was yesterday was, when they were talking yeah. about the uh, the golf and, and yeah. Schmidt was so talking Mike, about Mike McIntyre asked Nate Schmidt for those you know you can go to legalcurve.com and listen to the audio from uh, yesterday Monday. Um, but Nate Schmidt said that it was kind of weird that you know the Jets haven't played a bunch of teams. So my question for you and everybody in the chat, you cannot go check the Jets schedule online which four teams have the Jets not played yet Pittsburgh correct um four teams that Vancouver correct um uh, Pittsburgh Vancouver uh Seattle correct you're missing okay. one oh, well thank you I know I'm missing one um have the Jets played Ottawa at home did they play Ottawa at home maybe well, I mean, it's either yes or a no. I mean, I know they play they Ottawa have, on have, Saturday. Okay, so it's not Ottawa. Ottawa. No. Um, I, I don't no. think it's Ottawa. I think. They well, I mean, you're Ottawa. the one asking the damn trivia questions. <laughs> uh, Washington, I would say. I don't think they played Washington, have they? Uh, oh, maybe it's five teams. Your own maybe it's five questions? teams. It's the Leafs. The Leafs is the other team. Oh, right. The Leafs, of course. Okay. <laughs> maybe it's five teams. Maybe have they played Washington yet? I don't well, think they, they have. I know they go to Washington. I don't know if they've played Washington at home. I don't remember them. I'm not a very good trivia master, am I? No, you really aren't. You need to know the answer to the trivia questions if you're going to ask them. We've talked about this before. You never know the. We've answers. talked about we've talked about using your brain before. <laughs> uh, two one for the Jets at this point. They make it three one a couple minutes later. Washington is right, Drew. They have Thank not you. played Washington. So your trivia question was wrong to begin with. That is kind of weird that we're in game forty three and they still haven't played. 
played five teams. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to apologize on behalf of Ezra for his uh, insistence on asking trivia questions that he doesn't know the answer to. Um, so, yes, that is not a legal curve endorsed. That is a Ginsburg guarantee in that instance. And we take no responsibility for any damage caused by Mr. Ginsburg. Uh, Jets make it 3-1, two minutes and 39 seconds later. It's Mason Appleton, and you know this feels good for him. It's his first goal in 26 games, which is just way too long for an NHL regular to go without a goal. That means it's his first goal since November 19th. It's not a pretty one, but boy, it'll look pretty for Mason Appleton. But it's a hardworking goal. And it's not a very good goal if you're Adam Pellick. He is the one who is uh, largely responsible for this goal in that, you know, Sebastian Ajo gives him a pass uh, in their own zone and Pellick just sort of tries to turn and fire it up the boards. It's kept in at the point by Dylan DeMello. He shoots it towards the goal. Dominic Toninato gets a stick on it. And then Mason Appleton uh, beats Adam Pellick to the loose puck and banks it in off of Ilya Sorokin. And it's not, uh, like I said, it's not the prettiest goal, but it's going to show up very pretty on the score sheet for Mason Appleton. And it's a 3-1 Jets lead. And it actually is uh, the... Uh, both the game-winning goal in tonight's game. It's also our Seagram shot of the game. The Seagram shot of the game. Big thanks to our friends at Seagram's for their continued support of the Illegal Curve post-game show. Whatever you are in the mood to drink, be it Seagram's 83, Seagram's VO, or, of course, our personal favorite, Fireball, we strongly recommend you check out the great Seagram's line of products. And, of course, we remind you, and our friends at Seagram's remind you, to please drink responsibly. Appleton makes it 3-1, Ezzy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lee's coming in there late with Toronto. Yes, Lee's, we've already covered. The Jets have not uh, played the Toronto Maple Leafs. I also don't know which teams the Jets haven't played. <laughs> and I'm asking the question to Drew as if I have the answer. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is not a pretty goal, as you mentioned. And the most important thing is obviously Mason Appleton breaks a, a rather long uh, goalless streak. Yep. But... Um, yeah, Adam Pellick coughs up the puck, and Mason Appleton just just beats him. He he gets body positioning on Pellick, who's obviously a big boy. Um, and it's you're as you said, it's just a quintessential hardworking goal. And you kind of almost want the goal that you score to break a 26 game goalless drought to be like that. Well, it's usually as opposed going to, to be. A pre- it's going to be an ugly goal, exactly. Usually. And and I I thought Appleton was good tonight defensively, and obviously mm-hmm. he's a guy that the Jets rely on. Uh, on the penalty kill and you know there's been some some turnover we talked about you know Toninato you know, looked fine centering that line with Niederreiter and and Appleton so you love to see that right and you could you could I mean we saw it with Cam Atkinson right when he did the monkey off the back um, and that was a huge monkey off of Mason Appleton's back so it's an ugly goal mm-hmm. but it's a huge goal because of you know where where it comes in the game it's late in the second period the islanders are playing the second game of a back-to-back mm-hmm. the jets badly outplayed them i think you would agree drew in the in the second period yes and i would agree even though the islanders came back early in the third and made it a 3-2 game 
Yeah. I mean, that goal was, was the goal that, you know, made it difficult when you're to come back, like when you're playing a Jets team, you know, what is it? Is it 12 games now? The Jets have allowed two goals or less? Or it's 13? either 12 or 13. I've yeah. lost track. Which, of, is, of which, the, is, which is crazy. I think it's 33 now. It's 33 or less, right? Yeah. And did you notice, by the way, we, you know, Dan Robertson joined us on Saturday's Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Uh, and it was a great interview with Dan. And if you missed any of that interview, if you missed any of Saturday's show, it's available on our YouTube channel and on the website. But when we were talking to Dan uh, and we were talking about the 32, it was then 32 games straight without the three or less. We mentioned that Minnesota, of course, has the record, but we talked about how, and it was a stat that I stole from Eric Dehatchik of, uh, of The Athletic, uh, talking about how in that 14 season when Minnesota set that record Jamie Ben had the most points in the league with only 87 and you see Dan incorporated that stat during the broadcast today. I did notice that as, as he said he was going to so that I was, noticed uh, there that wasn't was a, lot a of Drew fun. Mandel drop though no, that's okay. I don't need the credit because I, I didn't come up with it. It's a, that's an Eric DeHatchik one, so I don't expect any 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 sort of shout out from Dan there. But uh, for anybody, eighty-seven points it, like that. It's been a long time since we've seen the leading point producer in the NHL with that low of a total. Like, right. what did what did McDavid have last year? One fifty-three, something like that. It's not going to happen this number. year, but I mean, Kucherov could hit, easily hit like one thirty or something like that. Oh yeah. It was it, whatever the number. Eight, it's certainly not going to be eighty-seven. That much I can assure you about that. Uh, so the Jets lead three-one after forty minutes. A very good second period for the Jets, and uh, not so good period for the New York Islanders. But I'll give them credit. Desperate teams, you know, need to play some desperate hockey, and they got off to the right start in that third period. They were desperate and you saw it 35 seconds into the period it's Anders Lee his second of the game Bo Horvat getting uh getting the assist on this one it's an ugly one again again you know Sorokin gave up a bank shot from a bad angle so did Hellebuck he gave up a bank shot uh from a bad angle uh and you heard the, the vociferous celebration from Anders Lee uh pick the the mics on on the ice pick that one up no questions uh no question about it he was very exuberant about scoring that goal and trying Trying to drag his team back into the game, uh, and it was three-two at this point. As a, I'm pretty sure people in the bathroom at Canada Life Center heard <laughs> heard Anders Lee say, "Yeah." yeah. I mean, I, I, that was incredible. I mean, and obviously, um, you know, w- during the second intermission, I'm sure that's all they were talking about was getting an early goal to make it a one-goal game, right? And then yeah. what was it? A minute and two seconds, something like that, into the into the it third was period. Thirty-five seconds in. Oh, I thought it was more than that. No. What I love is that Anders Lee has an aggressive forecheck on on Adam Lowry. Yes, then, Lowry drops his stick and then has is, is sort of now going trying to pick it the up net. at the same time. You know, played the defense and so it's a little bit of of awkwardness for the Jets and that they're hemmed in in their own zone. Yeah, and then Bo Horvat makes a play on Brendan Dillon mm-hmm. and pokes the puck to uh, Anders Lee, and then it's a one on one situation. So Pionk is protecting the fort in front of the net. Right. Hellebuck's got the post covered, but Lee being the big, you know, skilled goal scorer that he is, um, you know, just decides, hey, I'm just going to shoot the puck instead of, I don't know if you thought this too, Drew, if anybody in the chat thought this, but I thought he was going to take the puck to the net, but he decides I'm just going to shoot the puck off the pad. And that's why I mentioned Pionk is outstretched. And I wasn't sure, you know, if he got a little piece of it, but regardless, you know, yeah. it bounces off of Hellebuck's pad off the post, whatever. Somehow there was space between Hellebuck and the post and Lee gets that puck in. And you're absolutely right. 35 seconds in, now it's a hockey game as opposed to the Jets just holding on to a two-goal lead and maybe adding to it 
So yeah, good on the Islanders. I mean, we talked about it. The Islanders are are on you know not a very talented team when you compare them to you know the top teams like the Jets or the Avalanche or the Bruins. But right. they're a pesky team. They're a veteran team, right? Like Noah Dobson. I mean, I, Noah Dobson's a nice. He's nice gonna he's man. gonna be a, a you know a top seven, top eight defenseman for Canada. I think at the Olympics. Well, you know, it, it, you know, he was drafted. When was he drafted? Was it 20... 2018. 18? I was going to say yeah. 19. So That was you know, the year it's... the Jets didn't have a first-round pick because they traded it for Paul Stastny. Right. So it's taken him a few years, you know, you know, to really blossom. But you know that defensemen oftentimes take a little longer to blossom. But he's a good, good defenseman, and he's yeah. a workhorse on the back end for the New York Islanders. And you're right, Ezzy. When whatever that not-quite World Cup of Hockey, you know, gets underway, his name is going to be bandied about along with Josh Morrissey and of course all well, the other defensemen yeah Morrissey know. I think is is in there as well I mean I think you know the Golden Knights might have one or two defensemen I think Shea Theodore is in the conversation Alex Petrangelo is obviously you know in the conversation some yeah. guy named Kale McCarr I think is pretty good he might be there I mean Kale McCarr is obviously going to be Canada's best defenseman because he's the best defenseman on the planet right. but I wanted to make note of this Drew I don't think we touched on this in the first period you remember I think I'd have to go back and look here I was trying to find it um it might have been where was it here uh what, what Noah you... Dobson had a really good scoring chance remember Hellebuck made the pat the block yes the, yes the shaft of the, yeah. the shaft of the I want to say Kyle Palmieri maybe passed it to him maybe it was Horvat I forget it was but about Noah... five minutes into the second period sorry second uh, period yeah second period yeah five minutes into the second yeah. period and then Hellebuck made that blocker save which was incredible mm -hmm. Dan Robertson uh couldn't believe it that was Hellebuck's um, probably best save of the game I think sure yeah. So I just wanted to make note of that. We were talking about Dobson. So, you know, again, Hellebuck, you know, even though he lets in that goal from Anders Lee, he was excellent, right? With uh, whatever it was, 34, 35 saves. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There were a lot of shots. So it was 35 saves, 35 yeah. saves out of the 37 that the Islanders uh, uh, shot, bad. the 37 shots that the Islanders unleashed. I mean, it's just another day in the life of Connor Hellebuck. He just, well, the, that's yeah. what he does. He lets, he either gets a shutout or he lets in maybe one or two. That's right. Uh, so uh, 3-2 now, and it's still 19 and a half minutes to go in the third period. And the Islanders were coming on. They were pushing the play. They were they really were trying to equalize, as you would expect. And they had some good opportunities, but the Jets were so well adept at removing any rebounds from troubled areas. I mean, there was a couple where Dylan DeMello made a really nice play uh, and, and, and scooped one away. And um, who was that off of? Loose puck. Uh, Scott yeah. Mayfield with the point shot, and then it was Hudson yes. Fashing. Hudson and, Fashing. And yeah, the he rebound was, was there. The Hellebuck gave period. up a rebound, but you're right, mm -hmm. Drew. See, now we're trying to go to our notes. I mean, well, that's, that's what why we have, we have when notes. it's just the two of us. It's a it's a battle of the wits here, right? We well, usually funny. lose. You know, don't sell yourself short. You know, it's funny, you know, Hallbuck, you know, the numbers look good and he made, you know, the, the some key saves. But I did think he, even earlier in the game that he was maybe fighting the puck just a little bit tonight. Not a lot. It obviously didn't, you know, tremendously impact the game as the Jets win 4-2. But I, I he just didn't seem as perfectly comfortable uh, or, or, you know, or have the same sort of level of, of comfort in net as we've seen him when he's at this absolute tippy top of his game. There was one that, one play where he, he was a little bit uncertain. He came out of the net. Yeah. And then I think he wasn't sure. Um, he wasn't sure which defenseman he was going to go to. The, I remember that one play. But, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think part of it has to do with the nature of this game, right? Like we saw combined 81 shots. Like you don't see that very often 
where both teams have 35 plus shots, right? So, I mean, maybe it was part of that because the Islanders were putting everything on the net. And yep. so were the Jets. I mean, the Jets had 44, 45 shots too, right? But um, maybe it's 45. part of that, but or maybe it was just one of those games. Um, but at the end of the day, right, like Hellebuck almost, you know, had only allowed one goal if you take away the Anders Lee kind of fluky goal, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he he was good, but yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. It wasn't the sharpest game kind of in general, I'd right? Agree. Like it just, it wasn't. I don't know if it's, how many p- our, uh, penalties did the Jets take? Three? Two. Two. They only the took two. Mello so. in the first period for tripping and the Mesnikov right. in the second for a hold. But then the Islanders took five, so that takes away, like, when you have seven combined penalties, yeah. you know, there's less, obviously, time at, at even strength. So maybe that's that's part of it. I'm not sure. But, uh, and the Jets have played a lot of hockey, even though they had two days off between the game against Philly and, and this game. So I think all the players are going to love having, uh, you know, three days between the next game. And I wouldn't be surprised, Drew, would you, if if they go Lauren Brassois on Saturday? It would not surprise. You know, the only reason why I, I, I could see them still going with Hellebuck is because we know how much he likes afternoon games. But you're certainly right that Lauren Brassois would not surprise me uh, if they went with him on, on Saturday. Because then like you go, be... you, then you run Hellebuck for the next three. You play him against Boston, and then you play yeah. him against Toronto. But the schedule, I mean, the schedule is soft. So it's not a matter, you know, there's no, the rest is not going to be an issue right now uh, from here until the until next Saturday, a week from this, you know, so 12 days from now when they play Toronto at home, and that's the last game. I mean, they have four games uh, after tonight, they have four games from now until uh, a week Saturday. So the schedule uh, loosens up for the Winnipeg Jets right now. It's a well earned. It loosens up for us, game. true. Uh, oh, too, I know. True, more importantly, I don't know. I already we told actually Laura, get to spend time with our wives. I know. I know. I told Laura they only play five games in the next like 25 days. And children. Well, yeah, children too. But I was like, we can watch shows together. You know, we can cuddle up and watch reruns of Mad About You, things of that nature. You know, all of the sort of fun stuff that, that we don't get to do very often during the. Is Mad About meet You available on on a streaming I have, service? I have no idea. It's a Seinfeld reference where Jerry's watching the baseball game and George and Susan are curled up in bed watching Mad About You, and he looks like he'd rather be absolutely anywhere else in the world than next to his uh, at one time. Paul Riser and Helen Hunt. That's true. Very good. They are the the cast and crew, the main it's a cast good show. And crew. Do you remember? Here's a trivia question you know for what? you. Mad About You was just a nice, wholesome show. Here's it was a, a nice, wholesome television program. There was a dog walker who would walk Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt's dog on Mad About You. He's a famous character, actor, voice actor. Brad um, Garrett? No, Brad Garrett was not a voice actor. I mean, he was a voice actor, but he was also on Everybody Loves Raymond. Do you oh, yeah, remember? That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yes. So the the dog walker on my, Mad About You. Hey, you got to give me a hint here. What else was was that person like? What what else was? What other shows or movies? Simpsons. The voice and the, the the main one of the oh, main voices in the Simpsons. Hank Graining. No, uh, the, Matt Graining is the inventor Paul of as... is the inventor of the Simpsons. Nancy Our buddy Cartlett? Leon Pinkovich has it in the chat. Hank Azaria was the dog walker right, on right. Uh, on Mad About You. So there you go. How about that for some completely random trivia and at least i knew the answer to that random trivia here on the illegal curve post game show shout out to uh, leon pinkovich good job yes good job leon thank you for that uh the jets end up getting the empty net goal uh and it's based on good defensive play by yes. kyle connor 
I mean, he blocks a couple shots. He gets his active stick in the way. I thought that the real difference, uh, you know, once Noah Dobson took that uh, tripping penalty with 420 to play, I thought that sort of sucked the last of the life out of the New York Islanders. You know, the Islanders played a pretty good third period uh, to that point. They were only down a goal. But then when Dobson takes that tripping penalty with uh, 422 to go, I thought that was sort of their their final, uh, the final death kneel for the Islanders tonight. Well, and we talked about how good Noah Dobson was, right? He had not just one, but two good scoring chances uh, in the first couple periods, right? And then, you know, not only does he not get a goal, but then he takes the penalty. And as you mentioned, Drew, the reason why that, I mean, obviously you never want to take a, a penalty late in the game, right. but when you're down one goal and four, there's four minutes left, NHL teams nowadays like to pull their goalie with around three minutes left. I mean, it's not always exactly three minutes, but it used to be that teams would wait till a minute, a minute 30 left. Mm-hmm. Now teams like to pull their goalie earlier, kind of between two minutes and three minutes, I would say. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure if that stat is kept. It probably is somewhere. Maybe I'll have to ask our buddy uh, uh, Garrett Hole about that. But uh, I, I think that, you know, Kyle Connor getting you know the goal is just, it's kind of poetic, right? And you're right. I think it was uh, made a note of it here, or maybe I didn't make a note of it here. Uh, I think it was <laughs> you, Kyle made a, you made a, you made a note that said eat more chocolate. That's the, yeah, that's the note yeah. you made. Oh right, eat less chocolate, Drew. Yeah. I'm trying. Hey, I went to the gym yesterday. Actually, I went oh. to the Sport Manitoba gym. Good it was for the you. first time I'd been to the gym in a while. Just for the record, usually... first time you've been there in a while. Is it? Do you not get a free membership to that gym? I do, as part okay. of my job at Manitoba. Actually, I'm very lucky. Yes. It, you know, it's an, it's it's a really nice gym there. If you haven't been to the Sport Manitoba gym, it's a, I mean, there's high performance athletes that work out there all the time, as opposed to me, who's a low performance <laughs> athlete. Um, yeah, yeah I went to the out. gym. Let's just throw around the word athlete. Right? Yeah, like I, I'm now only eating half of an extra large pizza. Oh, I'm not eating the whole extra large pizza. So good. things like that, drinking more water, not you know, not wrapping all of my food in butter, like things wow. like that, right? Yeah, your butter fried butter diet is, uh, is is off the table. So that's good. Good for you. I shouldn't make fun. Good for you going to the gym. Keep that yeah. keep that work up there, Mr. Ginsburg. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah. I mean, New Year's resolutions always fall apart, you know, yeah. the second week of January. So I'm start, you know, trying to stick with it. We'll see what happens. There you go. Keep up the good work. The Jets kept up their good work. Kyle Connor into the empty net. That made it 4-2. The Jets back atop the NHL standings with tonight's victory. They wrap up the homestand. Three wins, that one loss. 33 straight games now having given up three or less goals next in action Saturday afternoon against the Ottawa Senators which we will get you all set up for Saturday morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We go to break on this edition of the Illegal Curve post-game show. If you haven't already done so, we remind you to smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, all of that good stuff. We want you to do that because, of course, that's what we ask of you to do. So we keep supporting us here at the Illegal Curve. Actually, one thing I want to do before we go to break, I want to remind everybody this is coming up in about uh, eight days' time. Let me just see if I can find it here on the – there it is. I'm going to put this up there right now. We are live on location, our next live on location show, Wednesday, January 24th. That is going to be a 6 p.m. start Boston Pizza 
on Taylor Avenue. Join us. We are going to be watching the Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know that will be a heated game. We're going to be watching the Jets Leafs. Then we're going to be doing a live edition of the Illegal Curve post-game show. That's coming up. Wednesday, January 24th, 6 p.m., Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. Be sure to join yours truly, Mr. Ginsburg and Mr. Minuk, for a live edition of the Illegal Curve postgame show and a watch party so you folks can join us then. So that's something to look forward to. When we come back on the other side of the break, we got some postgame quotes, Tough Duck hardest-hitting comment, and whatever other nonsense Ezzy and I come up with. It's a Tuesday night. The Jets win 4-2 over the New York Islanders. Stay with us. It's the Illegal Curve postgame show. <laughs> Your coworkers love you because you always make them laugh. You're the life of the party with stories that have them rolling on the floor. Or maybe you're just the quiet one in the corner with the one-liners that just slay. Do you have what it takes to become Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job? Try your luck. Hit the stage at Rumors Comedy Club, and you could be walking away with $1,000 cash. Winnipeg's funniest person with a day job. Presented by Rumors. For all the details, head to RumorsComedyClub.com. You guys ever wish for a game changer in life? Like finding out your favorite snack has zero calories? Or discovering the mute button on Ezzy? Picture this, a secret weapon for parking, where you can book a spot a whole month in advance. Tell me more, Drew. Pre-book your parking at really low rates, or maybe even for free, if you use the code Illegal Curve. <laughs> free? What is this, sorcery? The Grid Park app. It's a real secret weapon that has affordable game day parking. And to sweeten the deal even more. I love sweets. Our listeners can use the code Illegal Curve to park for free. Holy Zamboni. Tell me about it. Just download Grid Park, G-R-Y-D Park, and use the code Illegal Curve, all one word, to park for free. The game can change ah! just like that. Accidents happen when you aren't protected. So now what? Getting to your injury quickly can make all the difference. Help prevent them from being game changers with Linden Market Dental Center. Bonding, crowns, bridges, and dental implants. State-of-the-art treatments are available to help you get back in the game. To learn more, visit LindenMarketDentalCenter.com. Creating smiles for life. This January at Boston Pizza, every day is Pasta Tuesday. That means BP's famous pastas start at just $11.99 every single day. Create your own or go gourmet for just a few bucks more. Come on in for Pasta Tuesday pricing any day. Only this January at Boston Pizza. Whoa, Ezzy, everything okay? You look stressed. Of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos! Yes, that does sound like a problem. What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax. Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rolly's and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit rollies.com and they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage, online at rollies.com. For three generations and over 80 years, Tough Duck 
has been making apparel that works and plays as hard as the people who wear it. From jackets to work boots and everything in between, Tough Duck's clothing can handle the harshest environments, even the illegal curve hockey show. Work to live, live to play. Visit toughduck.com. Top of the hour, Drew Mandel, Ezra Ginsburg, Tuesday night. It's the Illegal Curve post-game show. Jets victorious 4-2. If you're just joining us tonight, it was backstopped or it was wrapped up by a Kyle Connor empty net goal that wrapped up the scoring late in the third period. Here's what the Jets head coach Rick Bonus had to say about Kyle Connor's return to action. Give him credit. The Jets head coach said most guys take two to three games to get their timing and their legs and everything. He just stepped in there tonight like he hadn't missed 16 games. So that was very, very impressive. That quote, courtesy of Connor Harabchuk, of course, good friend of the program. You've seen him do the postgame show with Dave M before. And of course, you can watch uh, Connor's work with our friends at Winnipeg Sports Talk. So Kyle Connor stepped right in seamlessly, according to the Jets head coach, Rick Bonus. Interesting to note, Ezzy, the Jets are getting the next two days off completely. Rick Bonus giving the Jets Wednesday and Thursday off. I believe Wednesday was a scheduled off day. Thursday, I think, is a bit of a is an extra day. The Jets head coach says, quote, I think they need a mental and physical break, and we're going to take advantage of these two days. It's going to be a tough road trip, and we need to be a little sharper. So I actually agree. I think that's a smart decision by the Jets head coach. Give the players the 48 hours to sort of step away from the rink. You still get that practice in on Friday so you can shake off whatever cobwebs you get from being off for a couple days. And then you can hit the ground running for those four games next week to really wrap up the pre uh, bye week and pre all star game portion of the schedule. Hopefully for the Jets on a high note in doing so. Yeah. And I mean, I know, you know, some people are a little bit concerned with the lack of practice time especially when you're talking about the power play uh but at this point in the season i think you know even though there are some days between games i think that's the right call you reward the guys and also i know a lot of people are talking about this in the chat i do think the flu bug and the illness drew is factoring into that decision i I really do Yeah, you, you. I mean, Gabe Velarde didn't take the skate this morning. He's under the weather. Uh, he played well, though. Uh, yeah. We know Axel Janssen Fialbi has been under the weather for a couple of days. So, you know, get the players away, get them to relax, get them uh, just some time off for the next couple of days, maybe recharge those batteries, and then see where you can go from that, uh, heading out to the four-game, I guess the three-game road trip, including that huge back-to-back uh, with the Jets and the Leafs. Wednesday in Toronto, we'll be at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue, then back here Saturday uh, to wrap up the uh, the schedule before the All-Star break and the bye week and all that good jazz. So Drew, I want to give a, a quick shout-out to Nelson Gasper Drives. Yeah. I've seen him in, in the chat. He works at uh, Birchwood Toyota. I know oh. that because uh, Naomi and I went to the Dawn restaurant. If you've, yes. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a great... Yeah. I great... know it as the... I, I've, I've been going there for so long as I remember when it was called the Dawn Street Deli. So before it was the oh. Dawn, it was called the Dawn Street Deli. Well, I, I'm, I'm obviously messing with the wrong guy here. Uh-huh. But uh, not everybody knows it, but it is a little gem downtown on right. obviously on Donald corner, Street, yeah. Donald and Donald, Broadway, Just right? before Broadway, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I met Nelson there. He was... I was wearing my IC shirt, and Nelson said that he enjoyed the show on Saturday. This was Saturday. Okay. Uh, so just wanted to give uh, Nelson a shout, shout out because uh, 
you know, we always appreciate people coming up and saying kind words about the show. Yeah, way better than the people that throw tomatoes at us. Those people are really rude when they yeah. do that to us. Or pretzels. Yeah, pretzel. Well, pretzels we can eat. Tomatoes, once they hit you, they sort of just smash, and yeah. it's kind of awkward to pick up a pretzel off the ground. Yeah, you know what? I'm not I'm not the biggest tomato guy. Really? Like in general? Like, I like I like, you know, a, a sliced tomato on a hamburger. Yeah. I, I you know, I guess in a salad or something like that, but it's not my favorite legume. Yeah, it's not a legume. It's a fruit. I don't even know fact. if I don't even oh sorry, that's right. It's a fruit. Yeah. Um but it's good, not even. Good, good my, I don't even. I don't even. It should be a, a vegetable, though, if you think about it. Well, but I, I know mean, it has maybe. seeds and everything like that. But, um, yeah, I just you know, it's not even in my top five fruits. Then I guess. <laughs> good to know. How about do you have a tough duck harvesting comment for us? Why don't we do yeah, that? Sorry instead? about that non sequitur. The tough duck harvesting comment. The, the Jets need a couple days off from each other. I think you, me, uh, you, me, and Dave need a couple days off from each other as well. You didn't so. even do the post-game show on Saturday night, Drew. Nonetheless, I still think we need a couple days off from each other. Yeah, maybe a couple months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> lots of good comments. We appreciate everybody joining us on tonight's post-game show. Uh, Drew and I have, we have a little kind of private chat or private area where we start comments, and we've got six comments started here. So I think there could be... Uh, you know, a lot of different winners, but we're going to give it to Stonewall Dave. And Stonewall it's not, Dave. It's not just because I love the Interlake region and I love uh, the town of Stonewall, but I just like this comment. It's simple. Jets got their work done tonight. Mm-hmm. Time off is coming for them very soon, and they've earned it. And, you know, we talked about a bit of a flu bug, a little bit of a virus going through the team that's, you know, hit a bunch of players. It's probably, you know, it's possible half. I mean, the reality is pro hockey players, pro athletes in general, um, you know, the, they'll play basically through anything. We've seen guys play with broken ribs, right? Yeah. So I just like that comment from Stonewall Dave. I think he's absolutely right. The Jets followed up their first loss in a long time with a solid victory over the Islanders. Yes, the Islanders made it close in the third period, but close but no cigar. So Stonewall Dave, send me an email, Ezra, E-Z-R-A, at IllegalCurve.com or slide into my DMs on Twitter at ICSEG with your mailing info. I'm assuming... Dave is in Stonewall. It's possible, I guess, that Dave know, you know, is from Stonewall and lives somewhere else. But regardless, Dave, send me your address yeah. and I'll come over for a pizza. No, uh, Tough Duck will <laughs> ship out a toque to you. There you go. Congratulations to Stonewall Dave, tonight's winner of the Tough Duck hardest hitting comment big big show for the everyone thanks to everyone for joining us tonight on the illegal curve post game show we'll be back saturday morning for the illegal curve hockey show 9 a.m we are going to get you set for the jets and the ottawa senators and then later on on saturday afternoon late afternoon early evening right around 4 45 5 o'clock the Illegal Curve post-game show. The best way to make sure you never miss a minute of anything Illegal Curve-related is subscribe to the YouTube channel. That way you get a nice little bloop on your phone every time we go live on this fine channel of ours. So be sure you're subscribing. If you haven't already done so, be sure to uh, smash the like button. And you should tell your friends and tell your family the best place to be after each and every Winnipeg Jets game and on Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. is the Illegal Curve YouTube channel. This show wouldn't be possible without our great sponsors. That's our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. Our friends at Grid Park use code Curve to park for free. 
Linden Market Dental Center. That should be Dental Center. I'm not sure what dental means, but I meant to say Dental Center. Zapia Group Realty, Betway, they're the title sponsor of the post-game show. Tough Duck, Tough Duck, hardest-hitting comment. That went to Stonewall Dave. Boston Pizza, we will be at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue next Wednesday. Join us for the Jets and the Leafs, 6 o'clock, puck drop, and then the Illegal Curve post-game show right after that, live on location at Boston Pizza. Our friends at Seagram's are the sponsor of the shot of the game. Rolly's transfer has been on board for a very long time, and we appreciate them. And, of course, Farmery Beer, located at number 2 Donald Street. That's their retail location. Get Illegal Curve Light Lager at number 2 Donald Street or on whatever delivery app you so choose. Big thanks to our friends at Farmery Beer. Support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Winnipeg Jets victorious tonight, 4-2 over the New York Islanders. He is Ezra Ginsberg. I'm your host, Drew Mandel. Until Saturday at 9 a.m., we wish you good night and good luck, and thanks for watching the Illegal Curve post-game show. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.